let the hogs out. And by now you are deeply into your quarantine. Some of us are brave enough to spend it alone, like me, Dan Spaventa, the purveyor of the podcast, where we weigh, tag, and grade the various hogs of politics, of pop culture. Uh, This is Hog Planet and... There are some people in the Washington area who decided not to spend the quarantine alone, and they join me now. Um, Hello. What's up, world? How's it going? We're coming from the the capital where people are not social distancing, and we're following suit uh, by, you know, having lived together for multiple years. It's Sam at Wagstank, and... I'm joined once again by our most illustrious guest, Rachie. Hi, everyone. Um, I am quarantined with Sam, and it's getting bad because I actually asked him to explain Dragon Ball Z to me for 45 minutes, and I, I actually sat there and listened. So things are going off the rails here. Yeah, well, I was a little shocked at how much backstory you need to explain like the simplest things in Dragon Ball Z, but luckily it's the one thing I know about, so I was able to do that for her. It is a deep canon, and there are a lot of hours to kill in quarantine. It's like the um, Iliad for our generation, honestly. That's true, but we have been preparing for this. We are ready. What is the impulse to like walk towards the darkness sometimes with us, where we will watch content, that we absolutely fucking hate, and that is what we've done today. Like, well, why do we do this? Uh, we do this for the for the fans, obviously. The fans love it. They love to hear it. They want to hear about all this bad stuff without having to actually watch it themselves. And I mean, in the in a time where health and healthcare is of the utmost concern, literally a national emergency, we have to turn to the experts in the field. I mean, we recently talked to an ICU nurse, and now we're talking to yet another luminary in the medical field, of course, Gwyneth Paltrow, the purveyor of Goop products. Two episodes to discuss today of the Netflix Goop show, so what happens in a workshop? Everyone gets off. <sighs> what the fuck are you doing, Achievo? <laughs> what we try to do at Goop is explore ideas that may seem out there or too scary. Are you guys ready to go out in the field and make a ruckus? Just another day at the office. <laughs> she knew something that my husband didn't even know. You want to talk about the vulva? Naked in a room with a bunch of women? I don't know if I have the guts. You've never seen yourselves? No. Why not? (laughs) This is dangerous. It's unregulated. 
Should I be scared? <gasps> Can we get a rundown of what Goop is? Essentially, it is a lifestyle brand for white ladies who have a bit of money. Rachie, have you ever purchased a Goop product? You are, of course, a woman. I uh, have not purchased any Goop products. I think mostly because I have um, good self-esteem. I visit a regular doctor on a regular basis. Um, I have a gynecologist, so I don't really need to be told what additionally I need to insert in my vagina. My, if my doctor doesn't tell me, I don't do it. Um, but I think it, it really does come down to a self-esteem issue. With watching it and watching her staff, it's so creepy because everyone that works for her, apart from the women of color, are like clones of Gwyneth Paltrow. Um, they look like her, they talk like her, except for some of them sometimes have brown hair. And um, the black women that do work for Goop, the, their hair and skin is... Um, not as well maintained as the white women. And I think that's because Goop products work exclusively for white women. So it's taught me to continue to stay away from anything that she wants to sell. So we've discussed a little bit of, of what the Goop is on the show before. I believe we looked at some products like the Jade Egg, the Vaginal Egg. This is kind of the signature object of the Goop enterprise. And it even attracted the attention of the Santa Clara County District Attorney, who basically sued Goop for and settled for $125,000 due to false advertisements that she had put out around the jade egg, which costs upwards of like $60. And um, <laughs> apparently the company had claimed that it balanced hormones, whatever that means, uh, prevented uterine prolapse and had other kind of dubious health benefits none of which are proven at all by the FDA or any other kind of you know, regulatory agency. And that's why they w received this lawsuit. However, that does not stop Goop from being valued at, I think, $250 million in 2018. So Gwyneth Paltrow is obviously a giant movie actress. Uh, for She's like nine feet tall. <laughs> for decades now. I mean, we've seen her in films uh, like Iron Man as Pepper. Right? Isn't that her name? <laughs> Pepper Potts. Yeah. Right. But like, seriously, in the last decade, apart from Iron Man, what movies has she been in? Because on the show, she claims she's a, been an international sex symbol since she was a teenager. And I'm like, in what world? I know her from Iron Man. I'm going to bring it up later, but I know her from Shallow How. Oh my God. Yeah. I heard she like revisited uh, her time on Shallow Hal and was very Tyra Banks. Like, I put on the fat suit and I understood all of the oppression. I have a note about Shallow Hal later okay. uh, relating to the episode. <laughs> but yeah, so Goop, Goop is like kind of Gwyneth Paltrow's like midlife crisis of like wanting to be an entrepreneur. And the products uh, and blog output and like content they put out is very much falls into like areas of quackery of overpriced kind of just throwing a label on like some very like simple products. One thing I think we have to mention though is, uh, Rachie, how has Gwyneth uh, approached the coronavirus uh, for, and the, the goop enterprise with the, with the current okay. crisis? 
Of course. Uh, one of my top quarantine activities is stalking celebrities on Instagram. And um, Gwyneth had been posting about supplements to boost your immune system. Um, however, she was sported out in an N95 mask, which um, if you're not medical personnel, you should not be wearing it, and latex gloves, despite the fact that she supposedly has the best immune system ever and takes all these supplements and does the right yoga and puts jade in her vagina. And just really quickly, I feel like the jade egg needs some explanation to just kind of set a baseline of how batshit this woman is. It is um, a large egg-shaped object made of jade and God knows what else that women are supposed to literally like the size of a fist put in your vagina and just have it inside you for hours a day to train your vagina to do what? I don't know. But like, imagine if like, I don't know, um, Brad Pitt was like, take this piece of jade and shove it in your dick hole. That's basically what she's saying. When I think of the ethos of the show is HR anti-vax QVC. Yeah, I think that's fair. It's basically telling you that the medical establishment is all wrong for lots of reasons that they will give you. And instead of following them, you should, I guess, follow the goop or they kind of walk a line where, because they know that they can't legally say like, stop taking I don't know, your medication and, and put a jade egg inside of you or do whatever herbal supplements they're telling you to do. But they act like, you know, we're not sure this could help and it's correlated with people feeling better. And do who doesn't want to feel better? We're just asking questions about wellness and stuff. This is definitely a, a hustle where you hear the word wellness and lots of other goofy buzzwords that you have to kind of go in and understand before you can debunk them pop up in the Goop mythology, and especially in the Goop Lab TV show. Yes, and for an Oscar-winning actress, her Netflix show completely comes off as an infomercial. It's very tacky, very SpawnCon. And um, I think another thing that's interesting about Goop is that she kind of phrases it as the medical establishment is like very patriarchal and they don't listen to women's real concerns about their health and they don't understand women's pain. So it's like feminist for Gwyneth Paltrow to suggest these alternatives that um, you can get because the, the traditional Western medicine doesn't uh, hashtag believe women, but Goop does. And so do all of her, uh, I don't know, pseudo scientific experts. Yeah, and I think it's also crucial, you asked in the beginning to start us off why it's important for us to delve into things like this, but Goop is a very good example of sophistry. There, It is creating this kind of alternative world and alternative logic that you have to basically crawl inside of it and try to understand it before you can truly debunk it because they come up with, and we'll see this a lot in the second episode that we talk about, but they come up with a lot of ways to shut down naysayers and people who would otherwise say that this is all horseshit because any normal person when presented with this even if you have a passing knowledge of medical you know procedures and healthcare procedures would think that this is kind of garbage but it, in order to keep those people quiet they tend to like throw out all kinds of like smoke and mirrors and i get like the the rhetorical equivalent of obfuscation to try to 
act like they're just asking questions. And you know, these things are correlated with healthcare and who doesn't, who doesn't like wellness. So we do have to do some work to kind of unpack what it is the argument of the two episodes that we watched is and why it's wrong. And in terms of the audience, it reminds me of um, this article I read about the wealthy housewives of the Upper East Side or Lower East Side. Sorry, I don't know. Upper East Side. Who are... Okay, sorry, but they are convinced that they have Lyme disease because they're tired, and there's this one specialist who makes millions of dollars, even though he's no longer board certified, by giving into these women's delusions, telling them, yes, you are sick, this is why you feel this way, like, um... And because you're wealthy, you have access to the resources for uh, diagnosis and experimental treatment for something that is so vague, like I'm tired or I don't feel, you know, sexually stimulated. Just like saying to women with resources, anytime you don't feel 100%, there's a medical reason for that. There's a medical fix for that. And like, you should just be happy, positive all the time. And if you're not, you're sick and you should get like some supplements. Yeah, if you have been told that you have a gluten sensitivity that isn't like <laughs> celiac or just like a gluten allergy, then this show is for you. If you actually believe that you have like a gluten sensitivity or something like that, that's there's something for which there's no you know base medical basis, then this is the show for you. So I think we should just leap into this first episode here. <laughs> Well, I think we can start with the theme of the show, the theme song or like the intro. Gwyneth's pitch is like, Goop is about the optimization of self. It's the ultimate (laughs) sort of technocratic, just hokey kind of buzzword bullshit, you know? Yeah, these are new tropics for like wine moms. Uh, I liked how it, it also had an opening disclaimer, like we are not doctors, so none of this is medical advice. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> yeah, please don't sue us again. Like, getting, imagine getting sued in like Southern California for peddling hokey, like holistic or homeopathic medicine or something like that. Come on, like there's got to be a billion other companies that are basically the same as this, except don't have Gwyneth Paltrow and you know two hundred fifty million dollars behind them that slide by the Santa Clara district court or whatever, like every day. So I don't know Gloop is really brazen and nowhere is this more evident than I think this is the third episode, which is all about the female orgasm, something that Dan and I know nothing about. Obviously it features two like orgasm specialists, I guess is maybe what they would call themselves. They probably have some term that I didn't write it down and I don't have the brain bandwidth for it. Sexperts. Right, thank you. One of them was referred to as an orgasm coach. There we go, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, she... Imagine just one of our old football coaches just like whistling. That's exactly where I was going with this. I don't want to name any of them. Hit, recover! Hit, recover! (laughs) (laughs) One of these people is named Betty Dodson, and she is an outspoken, short-haired woman. So one thing that I noticed watching this the audience for this is, it's not us. It's not people our age or younger. I think it's for Gen X, older white women. And they, um, 
I feel like the show is kind of telling you to burn your bra, if, if that makes sense. Like, this is, it's very second wave feminism to me. Yeah, watching this show, I felt like a lot of the uh, viewpoints and kind of feminist victories Gwyneth was claiming, It this show seems like it takes place in a world where feminism never happened and we went from 1950 to 2020 with no progress because the things that she's claiming that like, oh, every woman is ashamed of, I'm like, not since the 60s, bitch. <laughs> There's a certain... I don't know, shame she's trying to describe uh, that she acts like is universal that I don't certainly don't think millennial women necessarily have. Uh, maybe if they grew up in like Utah or something, I don't know. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of antiquated views that you see. You failed to Either mention way. Betty is in her 90s, the, the oh. orgasm coach. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with that. No, but, um, keep working. So what does a class with Betty look like? Basically, she has a bunch of the, you know, well-to-do women who come in and take her, her orgasm coaching class. They, the women sit naked in a circle and just appreciate each other's bodies and, like, they're open or whatever. They Imagine, like, literally... It's all, but it's all these, like, goop employees, isn't it? So it's like, you're, like, like why would you want to do that with your coworkers? I, I, I gotta assume that that's like a, a rite of passage for Goop employees. Do they have a human resources department at Goop? <laughs> they definitely need to be able to speak to the manager. <laughs> <laughs> I would agree. And um, like you, like Sam mentioned, it's large groups of women, uh, Goop employees or strangers that sign up for Betty's workshop and they sit around um, naked and... I don't want to sound like I'm not a feminist, but if I'm trying to come, seeing a bunch of old women who have not been able to orgasm either on their own or whatever for decades is not doing it for me. <laughs> I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> Did you understand the kind of like female solidarity they were trying to show in that part when they were like women when we all get together with no judgment about each other's bodies it's like based on what i know about women like there's a lot of judgment i, I just i can't imagine just because you walk into this like weird 90 year olds like sex class like orgasm yeah class, that <laughs> you would feel this like solidarity and all of a sudden be like everybody's is everybody is perfect staring at these like late old ladies and they're like gray hairy like genitalia yeah i my first issue with betty's <laughs> but one of my issues with Betty's workshop is she does not put a tarp down. She has women just coming on her pillows and couches, hardwood floors. It's unsanitary. It's slippery. And that is a turnoff for me. I don't want other women's juices flooding the halls. This is very pre-social distancing. It's like the opposite of social distancing. But I... I, I, I <laughs> I don't know. It's confusing because, like, I don't really think about female solidarity when I'm trying to have an orgasm. I don't really think, like, wow, every woman in the world is beautiful. I'm every woman. They're all in me. I have the power of feminism, and that's what powers me to come. I, it doesn't work <laughs> like that for me. I don't need to see... Um, I don't need to be in a room with a bunch of other ladies. I certainly don't need a 90-year-old woman, like, rubbing me and telling me what to do. Like, I, I don't... So they're pitching orgasms as, like, a social event, and I don't really know where that's coming from. I don't know if maybe I'm old-fashioned, but 
like to me it's it's private it's something i do on my own or i mean maybe one day if i have a husband he can help with that but most women i know we don't usually sit around in a room like i'm horny so i have to send out a google calendar invite to all my friends to come and sit around naked until i come i it doesn't work like that you also have to fork over some cash obviously but uh but yeah, so sitting around in orgasming is not all that Betty Dodson does. She's like shocked at the beginning that one of the goop women has never, quote, seen herself. She's obsessed with like photographing vulvas. Very important to make the distinction here. She says vulva, not vagina. It's very bad if you say vagina when you mean vulva in her world. She claims that like no one respects vaginas because like Hollywood <laughs> has like... They call it the pussy, the snatch. Yeah. <laughs> they have all these disgusting words for it. <laughs> the pussy, the snatch. It's truly, you have to hear it to believe it. But, um, but yeah, so she also, there. I mean, there is a sequence in which all the women like take pictures of their vulvas and then it is like put just front and center on screen, which... We talked a little bit before before we went on air. I was revulsed, not because there's anything wrong with vaginas, just because I'm like, I just fucking saw all these women naked sitting in a room together. Like, now I've seen every inch of these women that I've never wanted to, like, I don't know. I, I feel like this weird, they're not really introduced to us. They're just, we're told that they're like goop employees. And now we've just seen yeah, like their whole body. In a, in yeah, a, it's kind of dehumanizing. In a 30-minute episode, you didn't all, all of a sudden convince me that, like, every body is beautiful enough that I have to see, like, you know, 15 vaginas in a slideshow. Like, it was just and like, I was, I, I, I mean, I, I, I did not watch. I looked away. I, I, it was too much for me. <laughs> Overload. And none of the vulvas shown were Gwyneth Paltrow's, so I don't know how it ties into her empowerment message. If every vulva is beautiful, why aren't you showing us yours? Yeah, it's kind of every episode is like Gwyneth like interviewing the like expert, and then her employees have to like do their program. So she's never yeah, they're really the, they're the guinea pigs. Down. Yeah, she's never getting like down into the mud with them. Has a very no. HR feeling to the whole the whole show. So it's not just Betty Dodson. There's also this lady Isabella Frappier, who her last name sounds like a, like a Starbucks drink, obviously, but she is a similar sort of thing, I guess. Like someone who helps women. It, it seemed like hers her approach was more therapeutic and more about getting women to talk about why like why they haven't had an orgasm or their sexual wellness or whatever. There's another character that's introduced who is a goop employee named Lexi, who has had lots of problems with her female orgasm. Now I will mention that she is like a, like a tall statuesque, like Chinese lesbian who apparently has never had one. <laughs> like, okay. Are all of the women participating, they, they never clarify, like, have they never had an orgasm before? Like, do they just have a tough time? Like, and one of the ladies was married and like, put, I feel like putting her husband on blast, like, isn't that a private conversation? Why are you going to go on a Netflix show and tell everyone that your husband can't make you come? Why is that your first thing that you do with the issue? Like, and, and these are all women, I think we should mention in their thirties. I, I don't, uh, I, I don't understand. When we were watching this, you did keep asking, have they never masturbated before? 
there is a sense where they keep some details vague in order to keep like this what ultimately is the sales pitch of the episode mm-hmm. geared towards anybody right it, it's like you've never had this experience before so you would have to pay someone to like teach you how to experience this but you know i, I guess i should have shorn this into when we were talking about the body image uh section but you know shallow how is a movie where gwyneth paltrow <laughs> plays like her like she she's in a fat suit but jack black is this guy who uh, he gets like a spell cast on him but he sees everybody for their like internal beauty their personality is like how hot they are and gwyneth paltrow plays like herself in a fat suit but he sees her as like gwyneth paltrow like a hot babe so it's just the most retrograde like you know, the most problematic movie about body image. And, like, the end of the movie, I remember, like, the spell's broken, and then, like, Jack Black is, like, his Hal, his character is, like, this, like, heroic, uh, you know, romantic act is, like, accepting her as, like, a fat woman. And, like, a joke... Isn't Jack Black fat himself? Yeah, yeah. That's part (laughs) of it. It's okay when men do it, though. It's gross when women are fat. This is the obvious, immutable rule of the world. I just remember the ending when, like, she gets into, like, the SUV and, like, half of it goes, like, down to the ground. (laughs) (laughs) I definitely saw that in the previews or something. And and now this woman's trying to talk to us about, like, body image stuff. So it's, like, kind of just ridiculous. Uh, Shall Howl. I think that was a pre-9-11 film. My, my Check it out, on, folks. But... Yeah, I, I had a sense that Gwyneth Paltrow is lying. There is one section where they're talking about how, like, you know, with Betty Dodson talking about how, oh, well, when you see vaginas on porn, women have had labiaplasty and they cut their labia and they all this other shit. And I'm like, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow's like, wow, that's crazy. I'm, and my, the whole time I'm thinking, you were, like, born into a showbiz family. You've been in Hollywood for decades and this is the first you're hearing about anal bleaching or labiaplasty like come fucking on you're lying right now she definitely bleaches her asshole yeah i guarantee gwyneth paltrow bleaches her asshole yeah she she has a line where she says specifically like not knowing she needed pleasure and like god this whole idea that some hollywood actress didn't know that she needed to like do self-care and like indulge you know i have to do things for me it's like yeah i'm 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 really sure you needed this woman Betty to tell you that also I have to bring up the part where Betty was like telling her own like history and she talks about how her husband like she she had a sort of like guilt about her own like 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 labia or vulva or whatever and then her husband for some reason she she I guess she's been with the same man for a long time and she was like I knew he was the one when he went and got these books he used to masturbate to, to show me labia, you know, to show me that it was normal. Like he had these medical books that he used to masturbate to and they had all this different like vulvas in it. So he's like, look, here's yours. I jerk off to it all the time. And this is on the That is such psychopath shit, jerking (laughs) off to like a medical textbook. Yeah. As if this is like some heartwarming, like, oh, that's so cute. They love each other. And she's like 90 and like it's just like ugh. I bet you in his basement that man has a collection of labias in jars. He's probably pretty he's like a phrenologist for labia. <laughs> but um so so more of what the other lady was doing, 
she has them take these goofy like self portraits sensual self portraits yeah they're not exactly boudoir photos this isn't like george costanza doing the timeless art of seduction <laughs> or whatever they're wearing like sports bras and they have like fake branches and shit and they're taking like these flirty photos you know apparently you need like some large amount of external validation or a class or something to teach you how to love yourself and frappier has all this spiel about how many times women are are doing what we call performative receiving which in layman's terms is faking an orgasm (laughs) well she said it's more than faking an orgasm it's when um a woman enhances her pleasure during sex by like doing uh vocalizations she's uh seen in porn or something so uh, my understanding was if a woman is acting like she's enjoying sex it's all a performance because she was like (laughs) beyond faking orgasms women will accentuate their vocalizations they make claw at their partner to convey a deeper sense of sexual satisfaction than they're having and i'm like maybe that's what the women do to help them reach that sexual satisfaction and also with like the boudoir photos like sam said the props are very limited like fake flowers and stuff what if what makes you feel sexy is like i don't know like a pound of pastrami or like some giant teddy bears or you know like a man's head on a silver platter or a giant butt plug that goes really far up your ass and uh, vibrates your prostate or you know joe exotic uh, a nice picture of him (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah pictures of uh big cats um big cats. you know i uh i like to have m- my props that i need are um full body makeup to make myself a white woman and thus worthy of orgasming um i wear like granny rings and earrings it's a whole character that i i have to get into well yeah and you and of course you got to keep up with your your pelvic floor muscles which come up all the time for some reason pelvic floor is abbreviated to pc which i don't understand to this day this but... pc culture is running my- <laughs> <laughs> exactly but they're always talking about working your pc which as far as i can tell is kegels but I, either way there's a lot of like back background on this and it's interesting that you mentioned the porn thing because they frequently mention porn and how porn per- portrays like women or reach faking orgasms and like Rachel said all the clawing and the moaning and all that stuff is just that's just women faking orgasm that's not what they do in the actual orgasm or whatever and this is it's it's they even mentioned that there was a 2017 study of Pornhub's most viewed videos which apparently showed that women reached orgasm only 18.3% of the time which interesting how I don't know how you quantify that the way they looked at it was that they observed the majority of the quote-unquote orgasms and saw that they were signaled exaggerated facial expressions and vocalizations and did not appear to involve clitoral stimulation, which, number one, they do have like these screens with text on them all the time in the Goop show, but there's no source or anything on this. Like You're just supposed to take this as the word of God, the God being Gwyneth Paltrow, I guess, but... it's preceded by people saying that in porn women are portrayed as coming too easily, which makes it. So it basically directly contradicts the screen, you know, the stuff they're saying beforehand, but I don't understand what porn they're watching. And I also think it's reductive to say that Pornhub is the only kind of pornography out there. When these days I'd say like 
a ton of it is, you know, individual people do it like amateur porn or cam girls or whatever. It's a very limited idea of what pornography it's either just Pornhub or like brazers or something. It's not, it doesn't account for the diversity of like pornographic stuff out there. It literally just limited to Pornhub. And it's a, again, like this kind of antiquated view of how women are portrayed in, in how women's sexuality at least is portrayed in pornography and in, I guess, popular culture. Oh, did we talk about the staring exercise? How much does it cost a minute for a sta- this staring exercise? <laughs> like, 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 what is this? Like, like thousands of dollars to just like have this? Like, it's such like indulgent shit. And I just love how Gwyneth Paltrow throughout is acting as if having a female orgasm instructor represents some sort of feminist sacrifice. <laughs> It's it's so patently ridiculous, but she, from her vantage point of like celebrity and having all these employees and sycophants, I guess just has no fucking idea how toothless this all comes off. No, absolutely. And it's also funny how game all the goop employees are. They literally, during this staring exercise, like most of them start crying, which is so weird. I, imagine how alienated you would have to be as a human that you have to go to a class to look someone in the eyes and the sheer emotion of that experience like brings you to tears. Also a coworker, like a coworker. Yeah, I was going to say that maybe they're crying because they're being forced uh, into <laughs> a sexuality workshop with their coworkers. Like one of the ladies works in accounting. She didn't sign up for this shit. They put the title of all the people and like half of them are just like random administrative people. I I can't, I guess you got to know that if you sign up for any job at Goop, you might end up discussing a Hitachi magic wand with Betty Dodson. But I don't know. It seems like a lot. But either way, to wrap up our discussion this episode, we have to talk about the literal climax. (laughs) At the end of this, we watch Betty Dodson... Betty Dodson literally coaches this woman, Carlin, into having an orgasm, following rules, which is, yes. So she's handing her employee, Carlin, the different toys and like staring at her and telling her like, deeper, now switch to this one. No, she is literally, Betty is literally leaning over uh, Carlin and like massaging her, not her vagina or anything, she's, or vulva, sorry, but like massaging her chest and like putting her hands on her and yeah, telling her like, ah, oh, put that inside you and all this. Like, it's such a weird, like this is the, I, I cannot get into the psychology of someone who has their first true orgasm with just this like 90 year old woman leaning over her and giving her these like very clinical directions for how to achieve it. It's so Please. fucking like rock the PC floor. Like, <laughs> God damn it. Yeah, her, her rock and roll patented technique. With this woman she's coaching to orgasm, what if that's, is she, I feel like Betty's model is like, this is the only way you can come. You have to make an appointment. You have to come to my house. I have to coach you because like, that's not teaching women to do it on their own. It's like, if you follow my exact instructions while I'm watching you, then it'll work. And I have to be in the room. All right. Well, the last thing I have on this is that I did think the whole time I was like, what if men like watch this, like some male feminist watches this. And then this is like how they start spitting game. Like some pickup artist watches this and is like, all right, you've never had a real argument. Why don't you come to my house? I have a stainless steel rod and I've got like an operating table you can lay back on. I'll massage your chest. Trust me, this works. I saw it on Goop. 
I, well, like they said, you know, this is not real doctors. Uh, anyone, you know, if you're a real woman, then you'll go to a sex therapist class and stare at a bunch of like, you know, uh, imperfect female bodies, feel empowered about your own, and then have a 90 year old woman help you uh, achieve climax. And I just wanted to say one last thing to our probably three female listeners. Um, if you're out there and you're having problems orgasming, go on Amazon, okay? Or Target, any sort of personal massager, okay? Get that. Um, and, you know, go to town. You don't need to spend a lot of money. Um, you don't need the Betty Dodson method. And if you have any more questions about how to achieve a female orgasm, I guess listen to another podcast. Uh, I, I don't think we have the answers. Let, let, let's get into the next episode. This oh, is... No. <laughs> an episode that made us a lot more mad it's about psychic mediums and i feel like the whole episode is self-conscious about the fact that we all uh have a certain skepticism about that this one is one of the ones that does the most work to try to debunk the naysayers and they do that with a ton of buzzwords there's a lot of talk about energy and mediumship and we're going to hear about the four clairs, which we'll get into later. The qu there's quintuple blind protocol with verifying the veracity of <laughs> these, the medium sessions. And of course, the episode in all its scientific rigor starts off with the distinction between psychics who apparently read energy and mediums who talk to people who are dead or have left uh, their bodies uh, people who have uh, passed right or, no, no no crossed crossed <laughs> crossed exactly people have crossed so there's a lot of there's a lot more bullshittery in this one if you can even believe that than the last one which was all about how to achieve an orgasm some very like woe is me talk from uh, the, these people who call themselves psychic healers saying that they're kind of misunderstood and ostracized because of their art and people think that everything they do is hokum. Gwyneth Paltrow is talking to this psychic medium who claims that she can deal with grief by, and I love that she used this term, going clear, which like is the Scientology <laughs> term. As <laughs> if you needed more culty lingo. Exactly. Um, that she like goes clear so she can like get a sense for the energies of the room and then tell people that she's talking to their like dead grandma or something. So the main character we have here is Laura Lynn Jackson, who is a, honestly, I, I watching this was thinking that she's kind of like a shitty medium because you know, okay. Mediums are like people who you go to their little medium place, their office or whatever. You sit around a table. They got a lot of like, folksy or like mystical shit on the walls and they sh they do a lot of parlor tricks and they shake the table and they say i'm getting energies from someone on your mother's side who uh she passed 
very, she passed, did she not? It's like, yes, someone in my family probably died. They do all these cold reads on people to try to get a rise out of them. And then they kind of read the person's emotional responses to get further. And to the recipient, to the sitter, as they would say, it seems like this person is contacting their dead relatives or something like that. But in reality, they're, they're not so much reading energy as they are reading the person. And that's what this lady kind of does. But she doesn't do any of this pageantry or showmanship. She doesn't do the table shaking or the fog or, you know, light candles or whatever. It's, it's very clinical because it seems to, I think the intention is to give it a veneer of respectability that is not deserved whatsoever. And again, it's all a sales pitch. You are, you know, these people are uh, enhancing their own personal brands. I'm sure that this person got a ton of, business off of being on a goop episode it, you know again it's, it's all it's all sponsored content like uh, you said before yeah it's basically native advertising for this nonsense but it's even more heinous this one because the people who would go to laura lynn jackson are people who probably have lost family members probably recently probably are feeling very emotional something that i think we can all relate to but these people are willing to, like Remora, just kind of siphon off the cash from these desperate and emotional people by trying to convince them that they are somehow reaching out to the energies of their dead relatives. So it's, it's very fucking heinous, in my opinion. And they really do treat the, uh, you know, the subjects like they are children. There is this kind of very weak sort of like, way they approach their subjects where they're like well just trust us because you know we know you don't have to worry like like it's 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 this sort of uh you know assumed like respect that these mediums act like they have because like they have a gift absolutely and they we get to see her in action early on she asks the, the sitter, literally like three questions. She basically says like, do you have a dead relative? Uh, do you have maybe artwork of the, that, that is of that dead relative or that the relative gave you? And then like, do you have a birthday coming up? And of course the very gullible person is like, oh, I do have a dead relative and, and I do have a picture of them in my house and, and I do my birthday's night like in two months and stuff like that. It's like, okay, you can ask basically anyone this and depending on how they react, you would be able to spin some bullshit together but this lady goes a step further she says that she hears from the mother's side of the family on her right hand and then that she hears from her father's side of the family on the left hand and she gets a screen in her mind and all this there's a lot of hokery that like should scare away any normal skeptic throughout this episode also there are like these these horrific like disclaimers that are just, like of course you'd say that that like oh they didn't talk before this like there, there was no uh, communication about their dead grandma before this. Yes, but um, she kind of reveals her own scam in that she only talks to dead people. So when she's reading people and her first question is, do you have someone in your family who has died? The answer is yes, bitch. Why do you think I'm here? If I wanted to talk to my living relatives, I could do that. Mm -hmm. And then her second question, like, do you have um, an artwork or, or a photo of this person you passed? I, I don't know anyone who lives in a home without a single sign of a family member that they love who passed. And then she also asked, do you have any birthdays in your family coming up? Not even like, is your birthday coming up? And like, Sam, you know, has a smaller family than me, but even with him... 
about every month there's a, a birthday of someone in your entire family. Yeah, I'm supposed to basically sit there and be like, oh yeah, yeah, my dad did die. And oh yeah, I do have a picture of him in my house. And oh yeah, my like cousin's birthday is in like two weeks or something. Like th- basically- you know that? Exactly. <laughs> like you're saying, it, these are the deep facts. That, it's not like you actually get any, I, I think like a normal medium would re- at least add some parlor tricks to say like, Oh, your you know your father is trying to tell you that he cares about you, and they they try to deliver some kind of like half baked message that is also probably something that's like relatively universal, but it gives the client or the sitter some sort of closure and makes it fe- that person feel like this whole exercise was worthwhile. But Laurel and Jackson doesn't even do that really. She just kind of is like, oh, see, I guess like two or three things about your life. I'm a psychic or a medium. Sorry. And um, with the staff member with the dead father she was like oh your dad wants me to tell you um thank you for giving him permission to be your dad so not any kind of specific message at all they also say that basically anyone can become a psychic which is true i mean like any one of us could become a scammer and do shitty cold reads of people but it doesn't mean it's a good thing to do another part i think we have to talk about is the skeptic from the goop team who oh yeah this is the the most crucial part of the episode i was blown away by the degree to which they just tried to gaslight her about how she could tell as any sane person watching could tell that this was just a load of fucking bullshit and they they said things like this is like you're too concentrated in your frontal lobe. And if only you would like believe and let go, like, yeah, they, they do a lot of like bullshittery saying that if you're skeptical of this, you're training yourself out of becoming a medium as if again, like it's your fault. You're just, it's not that you think it's bullshit. It's that you have, you know, you're just, you've trained yourself out of it. You've done something to yourself where you've closed your, brain off to the energies of the dead or whatever. But before we get to that, I do want to mention that there's this lady, Dr. Julie Beistel, who is in some organization that promotes media. I'm not going to repeat the name because honestly, they get enough advertising from from this stupid show. But she goes into all this nonsense about how she's like, we can do medium uh, sessions over the phone. And we don't we do quintuple blind protocol, which I guess is something like double blind testing times four or five or something. And I but I don't understand. They have no explanation of what that quintuple blind protocol is before we get very like just dropping buzzwords in order to make a sales pitch. Absolutely. And in the, in the, before we get to the, the, the skeptic in the group, Anna, who gets a medium reading, they do like these exercises as a group where they hear about the four Claire's, you know, clairvoyance, seeing image, clairaudience, hearing voices, clairsentience, recognizing feelings, and claircognizance, knowing. And they talk about psychometry, which I, I'm not shitting you. I wrote down exactly what they say it is. They said it's the idea that every single object holds energy so you can tune into the energy of it and use that energy as a cord or link to the information that's there. This is fucking nonsense. Like this, this means nothing. It's word salad. Yeah, you, you're watching people basically do a, a fucking HR seminar because their work made them. And 
are you going to tell me that every single one of them was going to say like, oh, this is bullshit? Like, no, they're, they're shooting a fucking TV show. Like, I sincerely doubt if you took 20 fucking random people off the street and brought them to this woman that most of them wouldn't have the same reaction. Because again, like you said, they, they don't they don't bring up very specific qualities. And then the kind of shit they do say is like, well, you know, you, you, your mother wanted me to tell you that you really taught her how to love. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I left you an envelope of money under my, uh, you know, uh, old uh, suitcase or something. It's like, this, this is just such bullshit. No, it totally is. And so this is a perfect point to get to where after this, these, all these seminars, there's one skeptic on the Goop team, which is honestly, sh- like, it, it goes to show how horse shit all this mediumship nonsense is that even on the, gr- the group of, you know, Goop, middle-aged women in Santa Monica, there's one person who's like, all right, this seems like kind of bullshit. And this lady's name is Anna. And she, they, they basically, Laura Lynn Jackson makes it her mission to convince the skeptic. So she sits her down for a read. And this is fucking art, this scene, honestly. Jackson misses multiple times, guessing about her family. And then Jackson, Jackson even asks straight up after missing twice, like, okay, can you tell me who in your family crossed very quickly? Then she pivots and she says, okay, I'm getting images of, I think it's a donkey. Is it maybe Shrek? <laughs> like, which <laughs> it strikes, it strikes me. If you ask someone our age about Shrek or even if like a, you know, a couple of years older, it's like asking a, a baby boomer if they saw Star Wars, if, or if like they're familiar with the Beatles or something. It's like one of the most recognizable cultural artifacts in our li- lifetimes. Like, at least one of us here has some sort of connection to the movie Shrek. Even if it's as banal as like you remember seeing it with a family member and maybe that family member passed. But it goes to show again how she tries to like weave this like very thin thread to act like she knows something about your life. And then she she goes on. She's like, oh, if the donkey thing doesn't relate to Shrek, is it maybe a trip to Mexico? Like, Going to Mexico for people in Santa Monica is like a three-hour drive. Like, sure, anyone in in, in Southern California at any point could be planning a trip to Mexico or have just come back from a Mexico trip. But then the most astounding moment happens. The most, the most just obviously fucking planted garbage or just, again, another just gullible fucking goop employee. What happens, Sam, to finally prove that this medium is telling the truth about her powers. Well, I mean, it goes to show this is a Netflix show. This is a production. It probably costs a lot of money. And there are very real results that are, are, you know, key performance indicators that need to be hit. So like a fucking champ, Lindsay, the associate producer of the Goop show, just swoops in and says, oh my God, you're not reading her, you're reading me. And she says like, oh, I'm getting, you know, I just had my grandfather die recently and I'm getting married in Mexico soon. And she just steps in and basically saves the shot. I mean, this is how you'd how to be a good producer, you know, show business, the show must go on, whatever cliches you want to apply. But it's just so obvious that, yeah, the read was failing and the associate producer just literally steps in and saves the shot. 
And it's unbelievable. I mean, it's so even based on like the most unspecific things from Jackson, this lady, Lindsay is able to just step in and say like, Oh, this maps onto my life. And she gets, you know, whips up some tears and maybe this does describe her life, but all this like scientific rigor seems to go out the window. If like, Laura Lynn Jackson can just accidentally read someone else who's in the room and like if that's the case why wouldn't you just say like oh we have to be alone together and like they set up a hidden camera or something but it it just goes to show again this is like QVC it's got to be a well-lit shot of the service being provided you know even if it's not real it makes you feel good yeah and even in the beginning when they had before they had identified the one skeptic in the group you could tell that people were feeling pressured to say certain things because they were saying things like oh i feel like i'm levitating i felt everyone like pushing their energy and i felt like i was standing on a hill and this lady was like i closed my eyes and i saw light you're standing outside in southern california the sun is out if you close your eyes you're still going to see that sunlight and like just people taking normal experience experiences and trying very hard to map it onto the psychic experience that Laura Lynn Jackson is selling. Yeah, all these people smoked oregano in high school and pretended to be high afterwards. You know, it's putting like a dollar value on like having like spiritual thoughts and connections. Like you need these coaches to like to get you to to like the fucking opening of the show says like optimize your full self. And it's all through this lens of like self care and feminism. And Goop is quite insidious and quite ridiculous. And, uh, you know, pouring money into them is, uh, it, it seems pretty irresponsible. I would agree. And it's amazing that they quickly pivot from, is this scientifically real to, well, even if this isn't real, this doesn't harm anyone. It's like, well, yes, it does. You're taking money from vulnerable people and telling them that they're like, comp, you know, getting communication from their dead relatives. Like that is fucking harmful. Number one. And number two, you don't get to have it both ways. Like it's either a thing or it's not like they, it's literally the, definition of the adage that correlation does not imply causation it's like they literally think that because these things happen maybe happened in conjunction with one or two real benefits once that it's something that other people should do just because it's related to it but it doesn't cause the good benefits so you can't say that it it has any benefit to do it like it has to have a causative relationship if it's actually going to be something that you should tell people to go out and buy which is what this whole show is doing Uh, aside from everything else pretty boring show (laughs) the most reaction it caused for me was going like when they were showing the montage of uh, vaginas Yeah, I think if Gwyneth Paltrow had wanted to make this show interesting, instead of forcing her staff to go through this human resources nightmare, why didn't she get her myriad of celebrity friends to try out these experiences like um, mushrooms and talking to dead people and showing their vulva? Like, that would have been interesting if there were people that you are not... It would be a lot more believable and have some teeth if it wasn't the employees that already believe all of this stuff being like, oh, yeah, I tried this stuff and it really works. 
Yeah, get me the goofiest conservative like actors or entertainers. Give me like Ted Nugent and like Sylvester Stallone and have that try to convince them that all this stuff is real. Like that's what I want to see, honestly. Well, but that's the thing. This is not about trying to prove anything to those men. This is uh, about women and empowering women to optimize their own selves. Did you just Feminist. mansplain that to me? I believe I did. Um, <laughs> we have to thank Joe Bags for all the beautiful music he's provided the show. Uh, you'll have heard a few of the new uh, themes we got from him in this episode. So shout out Joe Bags. He will be on the show soon. Goop is not something I can imagine like watching more of or investing money in, even if they had some like really good like THC, like something I was something that would be like, oh, okay. I think it's time to boycott goop. Watching goop was actually bad for my health because I was yelling a lot, getting my blood pressure up, screaming at the television, and just really getting stressed out. I don't recommend it. Yeah, it made me want to treat my body very badly. Like, just go out and, like, drink a ton of alcohol or eat fucking junk food or something. <laughs> the things that actually make me feel better as opposed to putting a jade egg in my openings. Well, follow at Hog Planet on Twitter, uh, at Spaventacular, S-P-A-V-E-N-T-A-C-U-L-A-R on various topics ranging from uh, celebrity news to Goop and its subsidiaries uh, sponsored content, hashtag. Yeah, you can follow me at W-A-G-S-T-A-N-K, Wagstank. It's been my handle for too long to change now, even though it's weird. So just, just, just type it in. It's not, it's not going to hurt you. And um, I am a private sovereign citizen, so I will not be discussing my social media accounts. And there you have it. The final word on Goop will go to uh, you guys because I've said all I needed to say on the matter. As a woman, I'm claiming this space for women. I would like to end this podcast by saying, um, you know, to all my ladies out there, the only thing you can really do to empower yourself is participate in capitalism. That's what will make you feel real good. There you have it, folks. I mean, that's the final word. Got to buy stuff to feel stuff. This episode brought to you by the Goof Corporation. (laughs) And capitalism. And its subsidiary, Taco Bell.